0: Now joining me is Susan Irby. Susan is an award-winning author, producer, media host, and lifestyle reporter. She is also the creator of the Bikini Chef brand, Recipes and Content. She was the host of the award-winning Bikini Lifestyle Show on KABC AM 790 and KTLK AM 1150 in Los Angeles from 2011 to 2014. The show also aired out on PBS TV. Susan is a certified fitness nutrition specialist. She's also an award-winning realtor, so not only can she help you live a healthy lifestyle, she can find the right house for you to do it in. What more can you ask for? I'm very excited to have her with me on this special edition of Next on the T. Hey, Susan, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Chris. And that's quite an introduction, and I love that. You know, I think um, you mentioned, you know, just a lot of the like, things I've accomplished over the years, and in real estate, I I just set goals you know, and I just love helping people and whether it's food, nutrition or homes. And quite frankly, we all spend most of our time in the kitchen anyway, and that totally relates (laughs) to the home. So
0: (laughs) there you go. So let's go down that path, Susan. Here we are. It's it's mid-January. And this time of year is when many of us are looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, boy, I got to lose 10, 15, 20, whatever it is, pounds. How can we get serious this time, change our eating habits? and know, by the way, change our mindsets as well, lose that weight and get healthier.
1: Well, I love, and I put in quotes in my notes, your term, this time, right? How many times I've done it, we've all done it, where we say, oh, I need to lose um, these five pounds, these 10 pounds, like you said, and then... Something comes along that's engaging um, and we're like, well, this little bit won't hurt. I can start back, you know, next week. And so the bottom line is we are in control of what we put into our mouth, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, whatever food and drink, how much, how often. So we each arrive at a critical point where we say enough is enough, right? Whatever that feeling is for you, all of a sudden you just think, I don't want to feel this way anymore, right? And when you get to that point, you're just like, I'm just tired of feeling this way. I don't want to feel this way anymore. And you say to yourself, I can do this. I will do this. And you actually change that to, I am doing this. And then set a big goal. Not a goal like climb Mount Everest, right, but identify what makes you feel your best, so let's take you. You love golf, right? right, okay, so maybe you start walking the course instead of driving a cart. maybe you walk the course more often. Um, uh, let's say it's tennis, you commit to playing in a tournament or like even your golf, maybe you commit to playing in certain tournaments and upping your game and walking the course. Maybe you set, like I said, with tennis in three to four months, you set the goal that you're going to play a doubles tournament or even a singles tournament with the, with a friend or family member or someone, you know, that you associate with and you commit to training for that. So you have a goal and we'll talk about uh, some of my Fitness goals and how that worked for me in a few minutes. But, but you're setting a goal that is centered on an activity that brings you joy, right? And when you bring that, that joy, that will bring you to your next level of commitment and make you less inclined to go, Oh no, this time and that, and, and your this time will be different. So, And then as you're working towards your activity goal, whether it's golf tournament, for me, a marathon, um, tennis tournament, your diet will naturally improve and your mindset. I promise.
0: (laughs) Susan, I know a lot of sugar fiends. People, when they get upset, stressed or anxious, they're reaching for something, chocolate, some cake, donuts, you name it. They eat it and then get depressed about it afterwards. And I read the article on your website, thebikinichef.com about the link between sugar and depression. Talk about what that link is.
1: Well, it's a very real link, number one. And exactly what you're talking about is, um, is true to life. We all go through it. Um, sugar, while technically not a drug, it acts like one. So there's an initial high, an initial energy, elevated mood, And then boom, you crash, right? There's truth about um, moms and their kids, you know, around Halloween when their kids are eating all this candy and then they're like running around like crazy and then boom, wham, now they're moody, they're upset, they're cranky and um, you just want to have them go to bed, right? (laughs) Yeah, I know. So the the high wears off as as a drug would do, right? And to replicate that high, you crave more sugar. Yet eventually you're gonna crash, um, much like a drug, you're gonna, it infects the chemical balance in your body and your brain, you're gonna feel depressed. And then even deeper than that, yes, the psychological um, aspects of guilt and shame feel, plus sugar, you're just gonna feel so sluggish, and then you're just going to be like, "Uh, oh, why did I do that? Right. So let's go back to like how to get serious this time. Think of that activity that brings you joy, that you want to do more of that activity that brings you joy. You're going to be less inclined to be sitting around and craving the sugar. Okay. Um, so it all relates to depression. And another tip I have that... I incorporate daily is that donuts and things like that. I don't keep I don't keep them in the house. You know, I do I have dark chocolate in the house. I set my my serving size to like one ounce, right? Or one one dark truffle, one square of the chocolate bar. Have there been times when I ate three squares? Yes. You know, maybe a couple of weeks ago I had three truffles instead of one but I didn't eat the whole box, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And Susan,
0: to take that a a step further, is there a connection between sugar and inflammation in the body? seems like I read a little bit about that on your site.
1: 100%. So um, insulin is a hormone that tells the cells in the body to absorb sugar and use it for energy. Now, let's talk about where sugars come from, you know, so sugars can come from fresh fruits like berries and apples and beets, right? Um, Things of that nature. Um, And then there are added sugars. And primarily the most, most of the problem is as a society, as a culture, we're eating too much of the added sugars, right? So, now let's talk about inflammation. So, you're a golfer. Have you ever stubbed your toe or maybe the golf cart? Did the golf cart ever run over your toe, Chris?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've stubbed my toe many times.
1: i not sure someone's <laughs> run
0: over my foot with the cart yet, but my butt, don't give my buddies any ideas.
1: I was going to say, maybe your buddies did, right? <laughs> well, you know. Your, you know, the the skin around your toe gets inflamed. It turns red, right? It's like ouch. that, there may be some swelling. So this is a type of inflammation. Is the body's natural protective mechanism, right? To like further protect the cells from further damage and um, heal those cells that you know are in some pain, right? So internal inflammation is much the same way. So we can just think about inside of our body as one big toe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: Yeah. So the average the average American studies show we consume 17 teaspoons of added sugar. Um, while a realistic level is around six teaspoons. So I'm not a math major, but that's less than half.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. So when we have too much sugar in the body, the body signals go, uh, what am I supposed to do with it? Right. And so it starts storing it in our fat cells. And when when extra sugar, glucose and that energy is, is like, it has to go somewhere, right? Right. And sugar is not a high fiber food. So sadly, you're not going to eliminate it like you would, um, let's say broccoli, right? <laughs> so, um, so it becomes stored as uh, maybe future energy sources for the body. Cause it's like, what am I supposed to do with this excess sugar? And therefore it leads to weight gain. And um, really the only way to turn that around is to reduce the amount of the added sugars. And, you know, it's, it's about diet and then exercise is a way to tone the body and then help promote the mind, right. And spirit to want to eat, you know, make better food choices.
0: Susan, let's change gears a little bit. And you've got to, 30 day bikini body challenge on your website about 35% of my audience is female and the other 65, obviously male. So the, the females are looking, you know, for the, for the bikini body, the rest of us, the 65% of the guys, we're looking, how do we get rid of this dad bod that we've put on? How can we change our, our mindset away from all the foods that, boy, I, w- I sure wish I could eat that and really change it over to getting excited about the things that we actually can eat.
1: Well, first of all, men can be bikini, okay? So uh, they have speedos for you. (laughs) Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Back in the day of, like, the movies, I think, in, like, the 30s and 40s, you know, they wore those, like, tanks, right? Yeah. They wore the body tank. So, you know, you can have a (laughs) monokini.
0: Wow. I hope those don't come back.
1: Okay. Um so what I love about the 30-day body challenge whether you want to be bikini or not I, it starts off with really kind of a shock to your system in a way. Um but habits studies show that habits are formed when you repeat something uh, or do it consistently for 21 days or longer. Right? So uh, I I put it on thirty days because the first five are just kind of it's a little bit of a culture shock. It is so I have these blended drinks that I encourage you to make at home. There's a beet based one. Don't say you hate beets because there's so many <laughs> more other ingredients <laughs> in there that you don't even realize it's beets, right? There's uh, green grapes or red grapes and. Um, lemon and lime, it it tastes good, even if you're not used to it. And then there's a kale based one. There's kind of a spicy one made with peppers. So I recommend that you do five days of that. Now, for most people, it can be that can be too much of a shock to the system, right? So you're going to be, you might. And if you have irritable bowel syndrome, you definitely want to do it because it's so much fiber, right? So you have to be careful and know your limitations. But at the same time, even if you don't do those five days with just those cleanse drinks, you can still start begin to incorporate them into this new change of diet. And then I provide a structured plan for each week and each day of what you're going to eat. And it's and it essentially boils down to your BFFs. Guys have BFFs too. To <laughs> your PFFs, right? So your 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 health and body BFFs are your PFFs. So they're lean proteins, high fiber foods, and healthy fats. And that's what I live by in my life. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect every single day, but when I'm on target, and I am right now because I'm training, and we'll get to that later. But uh, lean proteins, high fiber foods, and healthy fats, and there are so many ways to make those recipes taste good. And I would venture to bet that every, pretty much anyone and everyone listening to this podcast right now. Has, in some shape or form, those ingredients and elements in their diet right now. The hindrance to achieving uh, goals is what you're putting on those lean, lean proteins, how you're preparing those high fiber high fiber foods, and maybe how much of the healthy fats you're consuming. So it's it's a balance. We can get more into that.
0: For sure. Let's talk a little bit about belly bloat because that's something we golfers can see and feel. And I know a big cause of that can be beer. And we typically partake of beer out on the golf course or certainly at the 19th hole. Talk about the things that we are eating and drinking that cause belly bloat.
1: Well, first I want to, you know, ask you like what, maybe i put you on the spot a little bit. So sure. Other than beer, what are you, what are you, what are you consuming that maybe when you feel bloated or something?
0: I don't know, Susan. I mean, I'm a big water drinker. I've, I've yeah. partake of that because I hear so many good things about it. I, I drink myself to death of water and I'm not a big soda drinker, but I know a lot of folks are. I know people in my family, that love to drink Coke or diet Coke. And I'm imagining that's, that's pro- probably a no, no. Um, but like I say, I do drink beer. I'm a, I'm a Guinness guy. So I'll drink, I'll drink one of those a night.
1: Nice. But, yeah. Well, one of those isn't going to kill you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, things that cause belly bloat are you're exactly right. So beer, of course, um, any kind of Alcoholic beverage or carbonated beverages, Um, other things actually, though, can cause belly bloat, like um, even though they're good for you, uh, black beans, kidney beans, you know, uh, lentils, things of that nature. Some of those can also cause belly bloat. So I think there is a difference between belly bloat and belly fat, right? Yeah. So, um, but with both of them, and you already said it, your biggest proponent of combating belly bloat is going to be to drink a lot of water. And the second proponent of that is going to be exercise, because in exercise, we naturally perspire. And when you perspire, so you're drinking water in and then you're perspiring water out. And it's, it's, it's releasing toxins and that whether it's beer or whatever, there's X, there's excess in the body, right? That the body is again, going back to what am I supposed to do with all of this? So it'll just be like, feel bloated and gassy, or maybe, uh, you know, you'll develop belly fat. And that all comes back to a lot of the things we were just talking about. Excess sugar in the body, um, and then those foods. Some some foods just naturally, you know, are gassy, belly bloating food. So water is going to combat combat that. Exercise, um, yogurt like kefir yogurt. So it fermented, right? Fermented foods, uh, probiotics, um, things like, you know, when you go to the sushi restaurant and you get that ginger, yes. No, like that is really good for you, right? Um, we're gonna talk a few minutes about vinegars and things like that. So um I just I did wanna point out, especially because you're talking about golfing and beer. Okay, so let's think about this. You're saying you have your Guinness at night, no problem. I'm talking about, you know, you're on the golf course. I don't know. I don't I don't know how many. Beers maybe the average person consumes on the golf course, but there's a golf course down the street from my house. And I'm pretty sure that the girls and the guys playing golf, they drink a lot more than one Guinness at night. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not criticizing them at all. (laughs) I'm just saying that so when it comes to beer and belly bloat, so wine has about one to two grams of carbs, right? Beer has about 10 to 20 grams of carbs. Although beer actually has been touted, um, uh, not wait, what was your stout? Touted, not stouted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With having more nutrients than say wine, it has fiber, it does have more calories. Um, Some beers, it can have some B vitamins, but beer is almost more like a food. Right. So like I was talking about like those lentils and this and many people uh, equivalent, you know, that. And so I I did kind of um, a quick analysis of your basic average turkey sandwich. So your turkey sandwich has about 26 carbohydrates, 329 calories and 11 grams of fat. So a beer, if you're drinking six beers. Oh, my. You're drink you're eating about three turkey sandwiches. <laughs>
0: mm, okay. Good to know.
1: So if you break it down and you're on the golf course, I understand you're out there a long period of time, like what, like four hours? Right. Yeah. So walk the course, have your beer, and uh drink your water, which you said you do. Right. Yeah. So that's one thing, but also. Um typically, and I don't want to be stereotypical. However, a lot of times um beer drinkers and wine drinkers are not necessarily eating the healthiest foods either. <laughs> Indeed. Right? Indeed.
0: Yeah. Hot dog at the turn, you know.
1: Yeah, so if you're if you're Combining the two of them together, right? So if it was just beer and then you're eating hummus with some celery sticks and a half of a turkey sandwich, no problem. But if you're eating, you know, corn chips and pub cheese, then (laughs) (laughs) you're not really helping yourself out.
0: (laughs) Probably not. I'm with you. Susan, one of the things that you do every morning is you drink a shot of lemon juice, one whole lemon, including the pulp. Talk about that and what that does for us.
1: I love my lemon shot. I have been taking a lemon shot since like the year 2000. So going on 23 years now. Um, Most people think that I do my lemon shot, like it's lemon water. And I'm kind of hardcore, if you can't tell, in many ways in the sense that I don't, why do I want to dilute it with water, right? If the lemon is that good for me, I just want the whole thing. And I just shoot it really quickly. And I don't put anything else in it. Some people put cayenne pepper, some people put honey. It, it takes you two seconds. You just shoot it, and boom, you're done. Um, I love it because it's an instant digestive flow, right? So I take my lemon shot, um my guy brings it to sweetly. He brings it to my bed every single morning now. So cause I was telling you earlier, I don't get out of bed until I read my Bible and do my devotional. so I do my lemon shot, I read my Bible, <laughs> and then I write out my prayers. Great way to start the day. I know. So, but lemon specifically, I mean, citrus, all citrus has vitamin C properties, right? But lemon specifically has immune support, improves digestion. So, uh, I start it in the morning on an empty stomach, and then I, I, Go after my devotional and my prayers, and uh, it stimulates your digestive flow. Um, It also stimulates metabolism, right? So it gets my system fired up. And it also, though, has other properties. So it helps prevent against heart disease, Um, it helps to balance cholesterol. The pulp in it is. is a pectin that helps the absorption of iron from other types of food. So it's easy to get iron from uh, those lean proteins I was talking about, right? But there's protein in all types of foods. You know, vegetables have a certain level of protein, plant-based foods, nuts, seeds, uh, those beans have protein. Quinoa is a complete protein. Uh, so the lemon actually helps improve the absorption of iron from plant-based foods. So uh, there's just it helps prevent kidney stones because of the citric acids. So there's just a plethora of um, health benefits that come from doing a lemon shot. And I I purposely do it in the morning on an empty stomach because I feel like it gets all those properties in right away. So how do you feel about that?
0: I like it. I like it. I think I'm going to incorporate that into my every morning. So thank and you it's
1: for that. Good. Now I will warn you that some people, um, some people may have a, a more sensitive digestive system, right? I I feel like I have a a, a stomach made of steel almost. <laughs> I think I do too. Yeah. So, you know, for those of us who who have that, you know, drinking a straight lemon shot is not a problem, but on an empty stomach again. And, but some people may have a more sensitive digestive system. So for them, they might want to dilute it with water. But if you're going to do that, whoever's listening, if you're going to dilute it, maybe just do like half and half. So one lemon shot to one shot of water, okay? Don't put it in an eight ounce glass with one lemon shot. You really need to get the maximum benefit of the lemon properties. And I I don't have any proof on this, um, and I don't want to jinx myself, but, <laughs> I, but I feel like I've avoided many cold, flus and other viruses that will go unnamed because, I mean, like I said, I don't have any confirmed data to support that. But because I keep that level of immunity in my system every single day, I feel like it really helps prevent me from, you know, from illness. And um, sometimes if I if I'm feeling sluggish or I feel like something's coming on or if I've been in a large group of people, you know, I'll go home, and I'll do an extra lemon shot.
0: So let's let's take that and go a half step further, too, because you mentioned vinegar a moment ago, and yeah. I'm a big fan of apple cider vinegar. Do you uh, do you like apple cider vinegar? Do you think that's a good thing for us to also incorporate?
1: Um, I like apple cider vinegar. How are you using it? Are you doing like a shot or what are you doing?
0: Yeah, I do a a shot in with I I do dilute it a little bit. I wasn't at first, but I think I was doing a little bit of harm to to my throat uh, just taking it straight. Even though I like I don't mind the taste of it at all. Yeah. But uh so I di- I dilute it just a little bit, but uh yeah, I I do it every morning.
1: Yeah, so um I am a fan of apple cider vinegar. Um I I I prefer lemon over the apple cider vinegar. Um, I feel like the lemon has more immune properties than vinegar. Vinegars in general have health properties, right? Um, They're a fermented acid. They're good for your gut health. They do stimulate digestion. Um, But I feel that apple cider vinegar can sometimes... um, I just feel it doesn't have the same immune boosting properties as lemon does. So um, I choose the lemon shot over apple cider vinegar Um, and vinegars in general. So, you know, I'm a chef. I've written 11 cookbooks. I love to cook. I use apple cider vinegar in my salad dressings uh, when I'm cooking different, you know, uh, different foods like chicken, which is kind of a dense protein. They need that vinegar because the vinegar, the vinegar will help break down the protein. So I'm also a fan of, say, apple cider vinegar, let's say, because we're coming up on your next favorite topic, which is meat lovers. (laughs) Let's say you go out and you have a big steak. Uh, I feel that there's a reason why I can't speak for all of Europe, but I know when I was traveling and working in Italy, they eat the salad with a simple balsamic and olive oil vinaigrette after the entree, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's because the vinegar and those dressings helps to break down the proteins and it helps improve your digestion after you eat the big meal, Right. So let's say you now want to become a big fan of doing a lemon shot in the morning. I would recommend doing your apple cider vinegar shot after you have your biggest meal of the day.
0: Ah, great advice. I like that. So let's get, let's go on to that topic because so many of my listeners are men. And like you said, we are meat eaters. You've got what looks like a fantastic recipe for herb crusted prime rib that I am dying to try on your website as well. Talk about the, the secret of making a great prime rib that doesn't end up all dried out at the end.
1: <laughs> well, the secret as with anything, Chris, is to start with a quality prime rib and quality does not mean expensive. Okay. So, um, I, there's a store here called Stater Brothers. They did not pay me to say this, but they, have, <laughs> they, they they have the best quality meats at the most effective prices of any store around. And so what you want to look for, I know guys always think, oh, it's got to have marbling, marbling, marbling. Trust me, there's plenty of fat in the meat. You want to look for something that's actually leaner, right? Because too much marbling, it's going to be all fat. And the myth is that all the flavors in the fat, and that is simply not true. So you want to look for a nice, healthy, sturdy prime rib that's not overly fatty, okay? All right. That's number one. Number two is um, I do trim off some of that extra layer. You don't need that that huge, thick layer. I mean, you want to leave some of it but again, you don't need, you don't need an inch thick of fat. Like a half an inch, it'll be fine. And then what I do is I take fresh rosemary and fresh thyme, and I, I mince it up. I chop it up really fine. And I take grapeseed oil, not olive oil. A lot of people cook with olive oil, but grapeseed oil has a higher cooking point, right? So less burning. And I I lightly coat the prime rib all over, sides and everything with that. And then I put um, sea salt and pepper. So finely ground sea salt and freshly ground pepper. I put that all over it. And then I literally kind of pat the rosemary and thyme on the outside, the whole prime rib. The secret I found, because I've done a lot of them, is I crank the oven up and you preheat the oven, okay? So before you even season it, you preheat the oven. Because you, when you want the prime rib to go in, you want it, the oven, hot. Because you're going to waste valuable cooking time if it's not up to temperature. And that's how a lot of meats and fish get overcooked. So you want to make sure your oven is like at 425 before you even put it in.
0: Hmm, okay. And
1: and if I could back up to the the first thing you do. So let's say you're going to make your prime rib for Super Bowl Sunday, which you're probably going to do sliders or something. But let's say you're doing prime rib. And so you buy it prime. It's uh, Super Bowls on Sunday. You buy your prime rib on Thursday or Friday. It's sitting in the refrigerator. So you want to pull that prime rib out of the refrigerator at least an hour. Before you want to cook it. Okay. Because that way, that way the meat is more even temperature throughout before it even goes in the oven. Right. So again, it goes to that cooking time and not overcooking. Because if you put it in a hot oven cold, it's going to cook the outside, but the inside's trying to catch up. It's too cold. So you kind of want the whole thing. To be not totally room temperature, but you want it to be, you know, warmed up a bit before you season it and put it in the oven. Okay. Now you put it in your 425 degree oven, you put it in there uncovered, and you leave it in for about 15 minutes. Then you turn your temperature down to about 350. And then that's where you just leave it alone. You don't. It's prime rib is one of the most complicated simple dishes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so you just put it in the oven, and depending on the weight, it's about uh, fifteen to twenty minutes per pound. Maybe Um, I was I would say more on the fifteen side. It's easier to cook it longer than to uh, un you know. Once it's cooked, you can't under going back. Right. And you want to invest in a, um, in a meat thermometer. And so you're, you're going to put the meat thermometer in, but I always get bone in and about, let's see how I'm trying to think. I think I did four, I did four bones for, uh, Christmas wow. and that, yeah, that easily serves four people. And then each couple had leftovers, you know, for that next day in the week. So a four bone prime rib is perfect for about four to five people, right? If there's kids, you can include, you know, six and that, but, and so when you take your meat thermometer, you want to put it directly in the center of the prime rib without touching the bone. Because the bone gets hotter, right? Than the actual meat that's cooking.
0: Makes sense. So,
1: yeah. So you, when you put the meat thermometer in, you just want to put it in the center of the prime rib, not touching the bone. And you want to cook it to about 132, depending on how rare or not rare you want it, right? Because when you take it out, this is another mis- per- misconception about cooking meats is that, oh, the meat's going to be cold. No. Like when you take that out of the oven and it needs to rest for about 20 minutes before you start carving it. And that, the center of that prime rib is going to still be hot. So that gives you time to get everything else on the table, right? Like your horseradish and whatever else you're doing. You have plenty of time. I set the table ahead of time and I have a whole program for that on my website, like a timeline. And But you pull it out of the oven at about 132 and then you just let it rest and it will continue to cook and that temperature will continue to rise and um, it won't be overcooked. And if some people, maybe if the center is a little bit too rare for some people, You know, you can always uh, put it back in for a minute or two. The risk you run on that is forgetting about it and then it's overdone. Right. Yeah. It's all about timing. Sounds like it. Yeah. But let me give you another thing I love about the rosemary and thyme is that you have the au jus and a lot of those herbs will fall into the au jus. So it's delicious and you can just, Strain off the herbs with just, you know, a strainer in a bowl. Strain off the herbs and it's delicious with that. You have that beef flavor with um, a hint of the salt and pepper. And then you have the rosemary and thyme. Oh, my gosh. I think I may have to make one.
0: Yes. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I'm thinking, boy, it's, it's almost dinner time here in the East. <laughs> I got to have, I got to run out to the store real quick.
1: I do wanna yeah, I do wanna talk to you though really quickly about the meats, right? So for meat eaters, it's wonderful to have a prime rib. However, bison, do you like bison? Uh,
0: very much.
1: Yeah, so bison is one of the leanest meats you can have. And I have a recipe for a bison burger on my website. And then also when it comes to steaks, uh, filet mignon is my cut of choice because it's naturally leaner, right? And you don't have all the fat on the outside. And contrary to most people's belief, the meats don't get their flavor from fats, right? They get it from seasonings and proper cooking methods. So really quickly, I'll just tell you how I do my filet mignon. Okay. All I do is just put that sea salt and pepper on the outside. I use my iron skillet, a grapeseed oil, I get it really hot. I crank up my oven to about 400 degrees, let that preheat, and then get my iron skillet smoking hot, toss in my filet mignon, leave it like about one minute till it gets that nice crust on the outside, right? Slip it over one minute on the other side, leave it in the iron skillet, and you put it in the oven, depending on the thickness of the steak, for about 10 minutes. Perfect every time.
0: Wow. Now, that's an easy one we can do tonight for sure. (laughs) Love that. Thank you. I
1: want want to know how it comes out. (laughs)
0: I'll be glad to share. Susan, now that you've got us all hungry and we're thinking about the meat and then we talked about the sugar and all that sort of stuff, this, this goes way the other direction. You train and run for marathons. And I want to get it right. 26.2 miles, not 26 yeah. miles. So running that far is something most of us can't even fathom. What got you interested in doing something like that?
1: Well, I think most people could do whatever they set their mind to. So uh, I'm going to start with that. And uh, when I was a child, Um, you know, up until I went to college, we lived on several acres of land and they were all hills and trees and woods and forest. And we had a steep driveway. So uh, it's not conducive to me anyway, to riding a bike. Now those mountain bikers would be like, yeah, I'll take that on all day long. But you got to remember, I'm not old, but I was born, you know, like in suburbia, Marietta, Georgia, on this big hill, like mount. What's a mountain bike? I don't think I'd ever even heard of a mountain bike. <laughs> um, so biking just never was my thing. I like I like sports where I can have my feet on the ground, like tennis. And also I'm competitive. However, I never wanted to feel like I was gonna cost someone the game. Right. <laughs> so, so uh, running kind of became my thing. And my dad used to run. He would go run behind our house in the hills and everything. Now, my mom, on the other hand, she was super competitive. She played softball. Uh, she she didn't have any fear of you know blowing the game because she was known as the bionic arm. Wow. Yeah. She would play like left field and hurl that ball in. And she was, you know, gosh, then I don't know, she's 85 now. So she was probably like, I don't know, in her forties, maybe, um, maybe fifties anyway. Yeah. She, and she's still really competitive, but I just decided that those kind of sports weren't for me and running worked for me. And so I just, Developed a love of running. When I go run, um, I push myself. I, um, uh, it clears my mind. It's something that I can do. I don't want to sound like, uh, I'm a loner because I'm not by any means of the imagination, but like, it's time to myself, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and like i said it clears my mind i do some of my best thinking and brainstorming and ideas on my runs and then for me as far as marathons um i don't i don't know i think i was just honestly years ago a lot of years ago like maybe 1998 and 9 I was living in LA and I was doing a lot of auditions and um, there was a lot of pressure to like be super thin, but I was still, you know, enjoying my, my uh, corporate luncheons and things like this. So I think I just pushed myself to uh, just stay in shape. You know what I mean? And so I used to go just on my own one day, I decided to do run in the soft sand at Venice Beach up to Santa Monica. And I would run in um, two, two pair of socks, you know, like, you know, like the men's like, you know, workout.
0: Yeah. You know.
1: Um, yeah. Those white socks, you know, <laughs> you buy them at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> So I would I would put on two pairs of socks and one day I would just I would run from my condo over to the beach and then I just run up the beach. And one day I just kept running. And I don't know, I was like, this feels really good. And one of my clients when I was in corporate world, uh, he was a runner and he said, well, why don't you run a Super Bowl uh, Sunday 10K with me? I'm like, oh, I can't run a race. He's like, yes, you can. I'm like, he's like, you're running all the time. I'm like, oh, I, because I always thought, oh, to run a race, you had to win. Right. Hmm. And then he's like, no, it's just about getting out and, you know, having a great time. So I did. So I did a 10K Super Bowl Sunday. Just ironically, we're doing this around Super Bowl, right. but I know. And I don't remember what year that was, but it was probably like 1997, maybe 96. And, um, I loved it. I had a blast. And so then from then on, um, I had always wanted to run a marathon, but I was, like most people, I was terrified. I'm like, oh, 26.2 miles. I could never do that. So I did a couple of half marathons. And this would be in like 2013, I think. So I started doing half marathons and I think I did like four of them and i just remember after the last two i did i was just really ticked off at myself why because, because i was like i did 13.1 all the rest of these people were going on like i still got i got i still got some left in the tank i got i got to do this and so i set a goal to to uh, do my first marathon and remember at the big beginning of our conversation today i said set a big goal right. so i was like well oh, i'm gonna run the Kauai marathon because i had never been to Kauai. it's obviously a gorgeous place and i wanted to run the marathon i knew it would be super cool and fun to do and so i trained for it i trained in the hills i'm training on now and I'm born and raised in the South. So I grew up with humidity. Humidity does not bother me. And But I set a big goal. And I set the goal to run the Kauai Marathon. And when I set a goal like that, I'm not just going to finish. Like, I'm going to do it. And I don't have to win the race. Um, and I did. And it was one of the best experiences I ever had. Wow. Yeah. And gorgeous setting. And I would have finished probably... 20 to 30 minutes faster, but the course was so gorgeous. I kept stopping to take pictures. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. I did. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Natty D Bermuda. You should follow her on Instagram. I don't think she's on Twitter, but Natty D Bermuda. I met her on the race. So I was running. It was my 50th birthday. And it was her 40th birthday. We have the same birthday, 10 years apart. And neither one of us had run Kauai. We met during the race. And I remember after mile 18, I thought I had lost her. Like she had passed me and she comes running up behind me and she's like, Oh, I've been pacing you. I go, well, that's funny. I've been pacing you. (laughs) I actually beat her. I finished, um, before she did. And, We have another goal. We're going to run when I'm 60, uh, which is only about two and a half years away. We're going to run again. I'll be 60 and she'll be 50. And we're going to go back to Kauai and run that one.
0: Wow. Look forward to hearing all about that two and a half years from now. That's got to be.
1: Thank you. you. But the one I'm working on now is the Orange County Marathon. So I'm super excited.
0: So the next step in the, point of the conversation we were we were having you know talking about the questions I was going to ask and that sort of thing kind of goes along within the marathon because I'm sure not many people have much body fat that are out there running marathons and we want to talk about how to get flat abs that's something all of us want and you've got some tips for how we can achieve that and do it in a a more fun way not the not the conventional I'm just going to do some sit-up sort of way talk about doing sit-ups, doing, getting flat abs and doing it in a way that's interesting?
1: Well, abs are fun. Okay. We've all got them and we all need them. And, um, you can just have a lot of fun with that. Right. And so I, I posted today because you had asked me that question in preparation for our conversation today. I have my 15 minute abs video that I did like nine years ago. And I still do uh, pretty much that same ab workout today. I love it. And 15 minutes, you're done, right? So that's also fun because it's not super labor intensive. You don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to have any fa- fancy equipment. You can do it on your hotel room. You can do it uh, on the beach, wherever you want. And, and 15 minutes, you're done and you have a strong fit ab, I promise you. And essentially the abs, it's all about core, strength, and uh, form. Okay, so abs really boil down to core, strength, and form. And of course, if you're just starting out, you haven't done ab workouts in 20 years, or maybe ever, and you look at my workout, and you're like, oh, I could never do that. Just do what you can, you know, just do what you can. So, we start out with a plank. If you can't do a full body plank, then do, um, you know, a half body plank, like, you know, on your knees and just plank there. If, or do the full body plank, making sure you're in proper form. And I show the proper form in my video. Um, uh, but essentially you want to have your butt lifted, not too high and your abs engaged. What that means is like tightened, right? So suck it in. Like you're going to go on a modeling, <laughs> shoot. like you're going to do a photo shoot, Chris, at the beach. Like, suck yes. it All right. Or like Steve Martin and Schwarzenegger, right? We're here to pop you up. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the people listening to this probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's a Saturday night live skit. And, um, so you want to be engaged. So, in my video, I hold it we hold the plank for one minute. If you can only do twenty seconds, do twenty seconds, and then the next time you do it, work up to thirty seconds, and then forty five seconds, and then one minute. But don't try ten seconds to go, "Oh, I can't do this." Mm-mm, that's not acceptable <laughs> <laughs> And then I just move into side planks, right? So you're on your side and you're dipping your hip down and lifting up but again proper form i do 25 on each side if you can only do 10 then do 10 on each side um but essentially my abs plan is i'll do 200 reps of abs plus what they call in pilates the 100 right where your your legs are tabletop your uh your shoulders are lifted, your abs are engaged and your arms are straight out and you're pumping your your hands up and down to the count of a hundred, right? So um, I, I demonstrate it, that in my video as well, but essentially it's 200 and then 100 of those. And so if you're bicycling, however, right? It's not 25, it's 50 because each leg needs 25 reps. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So, um like Roman twist. I do a Roman twist. If you can't, do it with your arms straight out, then bring your arms in and touch your elbows to the side on the floor, right? So you can modify based on your uh skill level, your training ability. And then don't give up, you know, work up to it. Be kind to yourself. Don't expect um, maximum results in one day. But I promise you, even if you did half of the 15-minute where abs workout, if you had not done any abs um, for a long time, you will feel it. And they work. But it's not just about, you know, having great looking abs, it's about core and strength and form and stamina. So I even do this when I'm marathon training, right? People think marathon training is all about running. It's not. Marathon training is um, mental, number one. Number two, yeah, you got to condition your legs to run that long, that many hours. Like I'm not the you know fastest duck in the pond, so, um, but I'm not the slowest. Um, but then also strength, because think of it. I don't care if you're running, and you finish a marathon in two and a half hours, and I finish in four, right? Um, you, your body still has to have that strength. Your arms have to carry you, your your abs, your core has to help keep you upright, you know, while you're running, you need to keep your head in proper form. So, ab training is not just about strengthening your ab muscles. It's about developing stamina and strength and core and maintaining that form that supports all of those elements, right? All right. I'm getting really excited. I may have to go do an app workout.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Susan, just a couple more before I let you go. And and you've mentioned all the cookbooks that you've written and put together. And um, I want to talk about, have you talk about all the wonderful books that you have available on your website that are also available on amazon.com. And you're also working on another new project as well.
1: I am. I'm so excited to share with you that. So I do. I have books from Easy, you know, $7 Meals. That was a whole series um, that really got me started into writing cookbooks. Um, Substitute Yourself Skinnies to this day is one of my favorite cookbooks I've ever written. Um, and it's um, easy recipes, very flavorful, good for you, and um, just really fun to make. That's still, I feel, one of my favorite books I've written. Um, I have boost your metabolism, but my another one of my favorite books is the Complete Idiot's Guide to Quinoa Cookbook. And a lot of people make fun of me for uh, loving quinoa, but it or a lot of uh, quinoa has a stereotype of being very bland. But that's where that apple cider vinegar comes in, you know, or balsamic vinegar, lemon, lemon zest, uh, lots of ways to add flavor to dishes. Uh, The bikini chef diet kind of goes hand in hand with that 30 day uh, bikini body challenge. So, but uh, even more, uh, you can tell if you go through my books how my own diet has changed over the years um, and just become more you know nut based and tried to get just support those who have that vegetarian diet because it's easy for us you know as carnivores and pescatarians to add protein but not as easy for the vegetarians and vegan um but I'm super excited my dog Homer if anybody follows me in social media at all they know that my dog Homer was my knight in shining armor he's the love of my life and he passed away june of last year and uh so i am working on an illustrated children's picture book what would homer do because he he had such a loving heart that we should all strive to be like homer and yeah and i have um I'm praying that a publisher will pick it up because I'm writing it as a series. So I, I have 14 stories outlined in the series collection and I don't want to give away, you know, the whole collection, but it goes from uh, anywhere from Homer finds a home to um, Homer Baking Christmas cookies with the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: fantastic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um Homer Homer was such a great love puppy. And so that's what I'm working on now. Illustrated children's book. That's well. great.
0: And I and I gotta throw this in there too, because yeah. as I was going through your website, I love the t shirts that you have for sale on there. I'm particularly fond of the one that says, Italians and wine improve with age. I'll be purchasing <laughs> that one. I promised you that.
1: I love it. Thank Susan, you so much for having me, Chris. It's been a pleasure and, and um, appreciate all your support and want to give you all the love right back.
0: I appreciate that very much. Remind our listeners, Susan, one more time, how they can find all of these great things and follow you, oh, by the way, not only on your website, but on social media as well. You
1: know what? The Bikini Chef. If you if you just go to the bikini chef, it all comes up bikini chef.com. My real estate is erbyrealestategroup.com, but I post so much um uh at the bikini that you can click over there and it'll take you to erbyrealestategroup.com and um and then uh oh, I started Susan Erby's home chat. And so maybe I'll have you on my home chat. There show. you go. All right.
0: Turnabout is fair play. <laughs> <laughs> Susan's been so much fun getting to spend some time with you. I hope you'll come back and share more of your stories and insights with us sometime. You're the best.
1: No, you are. <laughs> I okay. I look that. forward to that uh, filet mignon picture and to seeing uh, photos of you in social media, walking the uh, golf course.
0: All right. You can get them, I promise. <laughs> Okay. take care susan all the best junior family we'll catch up again soon
1: sounds good thank you susan
0: that is the great susan irby i-r-b-y is the spelling of her last name TheBikinichef.com is her website and at the bikini chef on social media as well check out all the wonderful content that susan puts out there her books are fantastic you heard us talk about those during the course of our conversation. So many great recipes and diet plans to help us with healthy eating and a healthy lifestyle. She's always putting great things out on social media as well. Be sure to bookmark her site and stay up to date with what she's doing. We'll get her back on the show again soon. She's fantastic. Really looking forward to that. All right, my friends, that's the end of this special edition of Next on the T. Please stay up to date with all the things that we're doing by going online to our website, nextonthetea.net. Give me a follow on social media at CT Mascaro. You'll be able to hear about all the things that we are working on. Looking forward to a great 2023 season. The new season will start sometime around March, but in between now and then, we continue to bring you some great things. Going to the PGA Merchandise Show. Can't wait to come back and tell you all about what that experience is like. This is my very first show, so I'm very excited to be there. I'll share those experiences with you for sure. Until next time, hit them straight, my friends.